So we got jumped on here this morning, and Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, I got up in time. I had a whole, like, two hours of sleep. I don't know how three, you do that. Three hours. Three hours of sleep. I'm not, jabbing, to, I'm, I'm not jabbing at you, but you are no. older than me. And yeah. I have trouble if I don't get enough sleep. And I get a lot more than three hours of sleep. How do you survive on that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, hopefully, I, I, as I said to you in our conversation, I said my, my goal is to diminish sleep more and more and more like a, uh, you know, like a, uh, uh, like a shaman. So that I never have to sleep ever. You're just weaning yourself off of sleep. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story. So my my buddy, um, uh, I have a friend, and he passed away. Uh, his name is Harry Ang, and you could Google Harry Ang. And Harry was older. And the funny thing about Harry, Harry didn't remember. How, he didn't know how old he was because when he was an infant, he was given up for adoption in Hawaii, and. They never kept records because this was like 1935 or, or 34. He he died 15, 20 years ago. Um, and he was very old when he died. I don't know the math. but So Harry, Harry never knew how old he was. So he picked his own birthday. He he said, my birthday is Christmas. Just because if you can pick your own birthday, wouldn't you just pick? So he didn't know what his birthday was. He didn't know what his birth year was. And he bounced around a little bit here and there. His paperwork was all gone. And he tried to find it. He was never able to. Um, but the, I just setting it up that Harry was a very special person. And uh, he would come and stay with me. We met through my teacher at school. And Harry was a teacher in California. Maybe somebody knows Harry Ang. Somebody's listening, remembers him. Because he was a high school teacher. But his whole thing was think, think, think. And Harry would stay with me in my New York City apartment. And I had a two-bedroom apartment. And occasionally I'd get up. From time to time he'd come. And we I, we would challenge each other with puzzles and stuff. And this is in the 90s. And uh, I would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and Harry would just be sitting in, and he didn't care about, he didn't care for TV or anything. He would just be sitting in the dining room, just like kind of almost like meditating or in my living room. And I say, Harry, what's up? He's like, oh, I'm done sleeping. <laughs> I'm done sleeping. No, I slept, I've already slept my four hours. I was like, he goes, I've weaned myself down to needing only four hours, no matter when I go to sleep, I just wake up in four hours. His body, his, he, was, he was in his 70s at this point. He says, my body just knows I have an internal clock. I wake up exactly four hours later. And I unconsciously, not trying to emulate what Harry inspired me, I do that now. If I lay down, I will get up four hours later, four to four and a half hours later, and just be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Like my body is trained to just always sleep for four hours. But that was when I was like in my twenties and I'd be like, I'm like, Oh man, I need like 15 hours of sleep. Me and Harry would joke about it. Cause he would like, I'd, he'd be up from four in the morning and I'd get up at 11. I'd be like, let's go to the shop and have fun. I was kind of lazy then. Long story short, I don't know how I got to this point, but I guess my <laughs> mind is just always racing and always huh. wanting to, get out there and solve problems. It was about two in the morning when I'll talk about what I did. When I got to the point where I got to test, I made these leather dyes on the laser cutter with Corey and I, I etched, laser etched these dyes. I'm going to bring them over to the fly press and impress a bunch of leather wallets I'm making. And last night I got everything prepped and ready. I got all the leather cut and I got the dyes ready to go. And I was like 2.30, I was like, I'm dying to try these. And I was like, you know what? Just go inside, just relax. Hmm. Like I had this dual conversation. So I went into the house and I played on the computer and edited for a little while. And that's what kept <laughs> stop, me up. Stop working here. 
go work somewhere else. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's no, what no, you bring. Because the, 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 the mental hurdle was going down the road to the shop that has no oh, heat. It's 20 degrees. And, you know, I would have still gone. If, if it was like 1 a.m., it's still like noon. I'm like, let's go. Let's go do this. <laughs> but 2.30, my phone always reminds me at 2 a.m. It's like, hey, bedtime. Because I have this thing set up for the iWatch. It's like, goes, I'm supposed to go to sleep at 2 and wake up at 7. <laughs> But I'm always ignoring. I'm like, stop bothering me. I like how your bedtime is 2 a.m. that you have your watch reminder. (laughs) You slacker. You're only putting in a half day. Come on. My bedtime is 2 a.m., but I don't have to be reminded by by a device. Well, it was funny. We were setting the watch up over the summer. Derek and I on the show, we both got iWatches. So we were both like trading like, hey, what did you learn? What did you learn? And he's like, oh, look, you could set this thing so it kind of tracks your sleep. And... uh, you know, I, I think I said this last week. My phone kind of reminds me. It's like, you need more sleep, bro. You need more sleep. Now, okay, with that little sleep, even though you've trained yourself, you've gotten into that habit. And I, I assume that you could anybody could train their body to have a habit like that. Do you hit a wall midday somewhere where you're like, oh, man, I really wish I could take a nap right now or, you know. A little hurdle like that, or no? Not usually. Not usually. Like I, I, I go, 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 uh, running around trying to remember everything I need to do. I, I always have a kind of a flurry of thoughts of don't forget to do this, so don't forget to do that. And uh, I'll work today. I have a very focused what I need to do, which is these leather things I'm working on. It's going to take some time, so I'll work on those, and and then I'll I'll stop to like take a break at four. That's usually like my noon. Like, I'll stop at 4 o'clock. It's kind of, I'm trained, I've trained myself. Again, sometimes I'll be like, all right, that's a good stopping point. And I will have not looked at the phone, or at least the clock or my watch. And uh, I look and I'm like, oh, it's, you know, 10 minutes to 4. So my body has this schedule set up. So I'll go and get a coffee or something or get a snack or I'll come back to the house and check on the animals and whatever. So it's always like 4 o'clock. That's kind of like my noon and then from 4 o'clock on, I just keep moving. Unless me and Taylor have something to do together. But usually if it's just me, she's, she's always just as busy doing her thing. So she's always busy in her studio, and I'm always busy just doing whatever. And then, the, like, when I, <clears throat> at about 9 o'clock, that's kind of like my second wind, and I go, well, I got, it's like 9 o'clock. It's like the beginning of a new day. And, and I'll go and... All day yesterday, my goal was to work on these leather wallet parts that I'm making for Carolina Shoe Video. And I'm I'm making a wallet, and on the side of the wallet, it's going to be two work boot imprints. So it's going to look like two work boots in the snow on the side of the wallet. And I got that idea because it's snowing out. And every time I walk outside, all I see is my <laughs> shoe prints in the snow. So when I was like, let me make wallets, because usually when I do, even when Jackman, when we do these type of things, we do a whole bunch so we can give some away through the Carolina website. And so I said, oh, let me make a wallet. And then when I started thinking about it, so yesterday my goal was to dig into and do those lasers, laser dyes on the Corian. And I just kept avoiding it. And at nine o'clock, I'm like, okay, there's nothing else to make you avoid doing this. Let's do it. So, Bob, you know that laser machine. Sometimes you go out there, it's finicky. It doesn't attach to the internet. You you got to connect the app. So I always have to mentally prepare myself to go out there and, like, get into laser CNC serviceman mode. It's like, okay, (laughs) what could it be? Oh, I saved the file wrong. Oh, there's something else on the cutting board. Oh, let me get the, oh, the laser. Oh, the vacuum's not turning on. 
there's like a checklist of 15 things and every time there's always one of them that's like giving you problems but last night went smooth nice so i'm working on what i'm working on this week and i'll stop talking is i'm (laughs) I'm working on making these leather wallets i'm gonna make about it's i went through my leather supply and i grabbed a bunch of scraps so i grabbed some stuff's a little too thick some stuff is a little too thin but i and i used up one full piece of veg tan and a couple of pieces of random colors so i'm probably gonna have about 40 of these wallets maybe 30 of these wallets that i'm gonna make and one side's going to have my branding and the other side's going to have the Carolina shoe prints with the Carolina logo really tiny in the middle of the shoe print where they have their logo like between the heel and the, the bottom of the foot. Cool. So it came out good, yeah. It's, uh, I'm always impressed with laser cutting. I just wish it was more dynamic. I just wish it was more for camera. Oh, right. Yeah, it is difficult to capture. Well, if you had a laser bandsaw, that would be camera friendly. <laughs> Well, even that's boring. I remember when we did it, it was like, (laughs) you know what I was thinking? I was thinking what the edit's going to look like. And because I I picked this banjo music for a video I did a couple weeks ago. And for the time lapses on the CNC machine, a lot of people's like, wow, the music's really fitting. So I was looking at this through my camera last night, trying to get some of the key shots of the laser cutting. And I thought of like an action movie, like the music from an action movie where it's like, like suspenseful, you know, like big, big sound, like big band sound, action, suspense. So I'm going to see if I can find a YouTube song and edit to that. Mm. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be comical because it's going to be like, I know what happens. This is not that suspenseful. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe I can edit it that to be humorous. Last week we did our video with the sign. And it was inspired by this old uh, uh, New Yankee workshop. I said this old house. And so when Anthony worked on the edit, he pulled some like acoustic guitar music and replaced our intro music with an acoustic guitar music and then Mm -hmm. did some at the end to match. You know, it was homage to them. And it was really eye-opening and pretty funny how many people had no idea what we were referencing and they were like wait why did you change your music that looks really weird it sounds really weird with the visuals of your intro you know people just they didn't get the reference and which is also interesting because i don't really understand how the sign was of interest to them if they didn't get the reference (laughs) no the techniques you showed well techniques you showed by like saving the background to space you you gave a lot of techniques you had lots of takeaway in that video so i think yeah, no, I'm sh- so people would hang hang in there to watch how you doing. It was but, funny though cuz you know people always complain about our music. Like it, we'll have two comments, top and bottom. One's like, "Oh, I love the music in this video." And the next one's like, "This music's garbage. Please turn it off." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." But this one was intentionally, you know, calling back to something else and it was just really surprising how many people just didn't get it and were so confused. They thought, "Oh, they must be going in a totally acoustic direction from now on or something, you know." But I was going to say, I don't know if you know this, but Pomplamoose made the theme, the theme song to Good Mythical Morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- they uh, were tasked to re-record it for their 10-year anniversary. And he made a video about it. And it was fantastic. And I didn't know that he or they, I don't know if um, just the, the dude worked on it or if they worked on it as a team, but um, made a video of redoing it for their 10-year anniversary, but then going through 
working with an outside team and how many changes you have to go through. Like to me, I just watched a video. I'm like, this is cool. Oh, that sucks that somebody <laughs> else has to tell you to yeah. change the way you record or especially when you're at that level. I mean, like, yeah, right. You know, it's it's not like if I, I recorded something and somebody told me to change it, I'd be like, oh, okay, you probably know better. But no, <laughs> they're pros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say it's kind of off topic now, but <clears throat> the idea that so many people, young people, never look backwards. It's amazing to me how many young people come up and have zero curiosity in, be- in looking behind them. To be fair, though, when... Any of us were growing up, the the current state of, of media and the current state of what we had to look at was pretty limited. I mean, you know, what's on is yeah, on. Yeah, we had much less. We had much less. Yeah, and it's so, true. like, looking back was our fallback. You know, we would watch the cartoons that were on, and then we'd go back and watch the Flintstones because it was still available. But right. now, I mean, people growing up right now are inundated with more than they could ever possibly consume at any given no, moment. And, yeah, that's true. And so I, it, it is funny to me. Sometimes I realize when I'm talking to a younger person and they have no awareness of something cultural reference that I know. Yeah. And, and then you think, how could they, how, well, how could they have seen it? Mm-hmm. It's completely, unless somebody who wants to share that with them. Case in point is that I, I worked, uh, well, I, one of the guys I work with on the show, we, we trade messages back and forth. And I, he said, so he put up a freestyle rapper and I posted, I said, oh, you got to check out Blind Fury. I talked about him. I go, he's incredible talent. He goes, oh yeah, I know Blind Fury. I used to watch him all the time on BET. So I, I just discovered him 10, wow. 10, 12 years later. I didn't, like, I'm surprised I didn't even like have an inkling of cultural exposure to this guy because I like hip hop and I'm always checking out old school hip hop. And he was just like, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah. He was like, who doesn't know him? But, you know, that's his generation. He's 12, 13, 14 years younger than me. So it happened to me in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, You know, Anthony is significantly younger than me. And so, and then Josh is kind of in the middle. And so even within our conversations, and this is not throwing him under the bus or anything, it's just pointing out, you know, I will say something about when I was growing up and Josh is like seven years younger. And so he's... Younger enough that he knows what I'm talking about, but it may have been before him a little bit. And then he and Anthony have that same thing where Josh can mention mention something from his childhood and it makes sense or it's referential to Anthony. But between Anthony and I, and there's such a big age difference that I can talk about something that I remember from when I was, you know, middle school and he wasn't alive yet. I mean, there's no way he could have been exposed to it. And by the time he got to the age where it would have hit, there's just two generations of media in between there, you know? And so it's, and it, you're right, it works in the opposite direction where he talks about something that he watched when he was a kid. I was in college or whatever, you know? So it's not something I would have been exposed to. But so we get to trade stuff back and forth on occasion. And it, it's kind of weird. It's kind of cool, you know? It's, it's as a, an older person in the room, you can think, oh, yeah, well, I've seen all the stuff. Like, I've, I've got more yeah. life experience than everybody else here. And then you're like, oh, I have a wider a view of the world. <laughs> There's a whole generation of stuff I missed because I'm too old. Huh. What do you know? I learned after watching your video that my memory is not as good as what I thought it was because I watched your video. It was fantastic. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to go see if I can find some New Yankee Workshop episodes to watch because I mm-hmm. knew that at one time... Like, there were many, many seasons up on YouTube 
illegally and i was doing some research i'm like the first show was in 89 i remember watching it in the 80s with my stepdad and mm. i was like but that can't be true so because the first episode was in 80 in 89 so i was a little bit older maybe almost a teenager or a young teenager watching it but in my head i was like i was just a little kid and it was just what was on now i know the um roy underhill has been on for forever yeah. so maybe that's I was getting my memories confused, but. Well, yeah, we also probably take like everything below a certain age range and just lump it all into. Just lump it all in. Yeah. 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 I'm sure we did the same thing. I vaguely remember remember when Norm got it. So you said it was 89. That's when it was. But I vaguely remember that threshold of, oh, wow, they're spinning off this guy to have his own show. He must be really well liked. That's awesome. Hmm. So it's like they pulled him out and gave him his own show. And then. I thought, oh, well, then they're going to pull the plumber out. They're going to pull this one out. And then eventually Ask This Old House came out, which, by the way, played a rerun or two with me in it because oh, nice. about 20 people this week said, you're on this old house? You're, are you a regular on this? I'm like, no, no, no. I saw you. And then I'm like getting coffee, some like half stranger, half neighbors. Like, dude, you is that you on this old house? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was me. You're so the this old house us. guy. Yeah, like, what's Kevin like? Does he really know how to use tools? I'm like, he's a great guy, and no, he has no idea how to use tools. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you go to the New Yankee Workshop websites, you can watch a few episodes or a handful, and they say they're digitizing everything, so it'll eventually all be up. So I watched a few, and I'm like, Norm rarely uses clamps. He, everything mm-hmm. is with the the pin nailer or the brad nailer, and I'm like, I need to do that more because I spend so much time waiting for glue to dry. Yeah, you know, it, it needs to follow in the footsteps of Norm. But there's some great, absolutely great techniques. Yeah, I went through a couple episodes as well on their website. Just you know, looking back at it, I'm like, oh man, I haven't seen any of these in a really long time. And I jumped all the way back to the beginning, and I think I watched the first one, or close to the first. And it was funny because when I remember that show, I didn't watch it a ton as a kid, but I did watch it some. And I remember it being a little more, uh, I don't want to say robotic, that sounds negative, but just like very straightforward and very, you know, I'm going to make this thing. Here is how I made the thing. But then when you watch it, you're like, oh, there's all sorts of like little jokes in there. And Norm is, (laughs) you know, like he was trying to push uh, two pieces of a chair together or something. I don't remember exactly. And he was like, okay, I'm going to need everybody to pray for me right now as I try to push these (laughs) things together. (laughs) You would, like nobody would ever say something jokingly like that now in a show like that because it just I don't know like his personality was coming through and then I skipped forward a few years to watch another one and you could tell how much more comfortable he was on camera and he was he owned it a lot more you know later on and he's he's great but it was a lot of fun to go back and look at those. In one of the episodes that I watched, man, you sent me on a weird tangent that day. I I, I just stopped working and started watching Norm. <clears throat> but he he was making panels for something, and then he ran them through this like multi stage drum sander, so it has different grits and it does it all at once. And he was like, "If you don't have one of these, you could do it by hand." And I was just like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> if you don't have one, yeah. Nobody has those. <laughs> I'll put a link. Uh, it's newyankee.com. I'll put a link down there and see. Oh, man. 21 seasons. And there's only three seasons that don't have episodes up yet. 
That's awesome. My my funny memory is when Norm was doing workshop furniture and he made drawers <clears throat> and he opened up one of the drawers and it had like 25 routers in it. And I thought, okay, I could do that. <laughs> I can do that, but with bandsaws. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't really like to change the bit, so I have a different router for different bits. But it, it, he had, it, it looked like a bin at like a closeout store. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, David, what, are you, what have you been up to? What have you been working yeah, on? Yeah, right. Uh, I got a, I'm working on a couple videos. I'm finishing up a video of uh, uh, making a whole bunch of trivets and this was uh, a thing my grandfather has always made I don't know if it's I doubt that it's his design I think he said a friend showed him um, but I put it in my book and then I decided to highlight the book and make a whole bunch of these so I'm making them now and the top of it just uses like a six inch by six inch kitchen tile that you get from Home Depot or Lowe's and I went to Home Depot and Lowe's and got a bunch of tiles, and they're all different sizes. There's no there's no standard six inches for for tiles. You can't mix and match from different Ooh. companies. Uh, so it made the it made the build a little bit more difficult because I had to kind of modify each one. So I'm working on that, and that should be out on Friday. And then I got this. This is an audio podcast, but I'm giving you a visual. This is <laughs> oh, my yeah. grandma's calculator. It's like a it's a big desk calculator from the 70s. I like how yellow it is. Is that the color or is that just from age? Oh, I'm I, I'm pretty sure it's it was it used to be white and green. <laughs> and so all I remember that being in my grandfather's office. This is the non-working grandfather on the other side of the family but i always remember it being in his home office it was always there uh, i used it many times because i used to have to do my school work at, at grandma's and it broke recently and grandma wanted a new calculator and so we actually found one on ebay the same model so i got grandma the exact same one because you know how grandmas can be they don't yeah. they don't want new technology and so I got the broken one, and I was able to fix it, uh, just soldering on the, the power cable on the back, and it was totally fine. So now I'm remaking it out of wood. So I, I've been playing with the 3D printing, making new buttons, trying to figure out which one that I like. And there's going to be a little bit so of you're going to make a whole a new housing for it? Yeah, so... That's going to be this, fun. Um, I know, audio podcast, but the, the white portion of the calculator is going to be walnut. And then the green portion here is going to be hickory, contrasting wood. Ooh. And I'm going to keep, oh, wow. it's got a pretty cool shape. So I'm going to keep the basic shape, but maybe make a couple of the lines a little bit more angular. And I don't know. I'm re it's one of those things like, this is so stupid. I'm really excited about it. No, it's funny. <laughs> it's and, funny. When you hold that up, I can hear. Oh, it's, yeah. In my brain, I can hear the calculator. Like, I remember when you hold that. that up, when you hold that up, I smell cigarettes. When you hold that up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, 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 totally, I totally get that. The funny thing is, like, the action on the keys is really, really, nice. really satisfying. Like, it's, it's so good. And I don't know if you can't see this. Uh, I'll show this in the video. But it's got this little plastic slider in there. And it's so... Where you would have the commas in a, in a large oh, number. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's funny. Uh, um, 
Huh. And then when you divide by zero on it, it just shuts off. It can't handle it. It's it's so <laughs> hilarious. But that, I think it's going to be a good video. It'll be nice and fun. I thought about going crazy and making a whole stand for it so it has like a pedestal. I don't know if I'll do that, Ooh. but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That's cool. Hmm. Um, well, that, that's awesome. You've done a few things like that where you've taken old stuff and created wooden cases for it or yeah. redone the outside. I like that. It's fun. It's a, it's a challenge. They don't always come out as well as I would like. Like I've, a couple of the projects, it just they don't have a, they they look totally fine. But when you pick them up, you can kind of feel like mm, something's not quite right. You know, the pieces hmm. aren't glued in, and you because you have to work around all these electronics and there's all these standoffs that you, you got to make, and I, it's. It's it's difficult because when they make these electronics, they try to make them as small as they possibly can, and it doesn't always translate so well to woodworking. Yeah, makes sense. And I mean, I guess if you're if you're having to use thin material to wrap around certain things, then that probably lends to that feeling of yeah yeah like not sturdiness. What do you do with all those? Because I know you've had a few of them. I mean, are uh, they just kind of display pieces at this point? The clock I donated to Goodwill. Um, what else? Oh, the Nintendo. The N- Nintendo's up by the TV. Uh, it still gets cool. used every once in a while. I took a couple of synthesizer keyboards and redid that, and they're over in the case. So some of them are hanging around. Some things make it to the the thrift store. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, I did some 3D printing this week as well. So I have, I don't know if I talked about this last time or not. I think I might have. But this uh, little handle for my car, this is like the little lever on the side of the seat that, you know, you lean the seat back or forward or whatever. And on my driver's side, it's missing. It fell off somewhere. So the metal post that this attaches to is still there and you can activate it, but it always, it's just a little flat piece of metal. So it catches the seatbelt all the time. And that way the seatbelt's not really tight across my lap. So I modeled that and 3D printed my own version of it. And then that led to, um, you know, I just mirrored the model and made a matching one for the other side of the car. And then that led to looking around the car and looking for other things that could be improved. And I ended up, I have this weird big open cavity where there should be a drink holder, but there's not. It's just a big oddly shaped thing so i modeled custom drink holder to go in there with a little slot in the back of it for a uh, tape measure to drop oh, into nice that's that's great you should you should have made it an ashtray <laughs> there's already an ashtray <laughs> in my car um and then so i i did a bunch of models of this one and then realized that it should be more flexible to hold different types of cups i tried to make like steps in there so you could put different size cups so last minute i took the model and cut it up and made a big cavity in it and put some springs in it and fusion and then printed it in pieces so that the the opening where the cup goes is spring-loaded. So this whole section right here on the, the final piece can be can push back. So when you push oh, yeah. a drink in, it, it like That's cool. grabs are you, are you gonna, it. That's got going to be a video? Yeah, the car so the video is just, it's about like improving your car with 3D printing. That's great. And and then um, I asked the guys to come up with something in their cars and just, you know, solve their own problem and so that there's a couple more things that we can quickly show in there. And that was a very quick last week 
just, oh, let's do this thing. And so today is Wednesday and the video is not done yet. It's supposed to go out tomorrow. So mm. we're we're finishing it. I mean, it's in edit right now, but that's that's the thing we're doing. And it was funny because for the intro, uh, I wanted to have a 3D printer in the car. And so yesterday I, I pulled an extension cord out mm-hmm. underneath the car, ran it up, set up a 3D printer in the passenger seat, got it printing, and it was like 26 degrees outside. So it had trouble printing because <laughs> it wouldn't stick to the bed. But I got it printing and then did the intro like through the window of the car <laughs> where I could like lean That's back and show That's why you had that. that. I saw that. Yeah. I was wondering what you were doing. <laughs> it was so cold to be outside with the window open in the car and just trying to talk and yeah, it is not fun filming outside right now this this time of year. And it's not even as cold as like where you guys live. So I'm not complaining about, you know, I know everybody has it worse, but <laughs> it's still cold. It was the coldest I've been up here. I bought this house 16, 17 years ago. The coldest I ever remember was this weekend. It was 16 below zero. Mm. Oh my goodness. Mm. I don't, I don't ever recall. I don't think I've ever been in weather that cold. It gets to a point where it just begins to feel the same. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is tolerable. Oh, I need my jacket. And then, like, the third version is just like, I need another <laughs> jacket, maybe a third one. <laughs> Don't stay outside. And that's, you know, that's yeah. the third, you know, red alert. I went out to the farm yesterday and took the rotisserie parts that I've been working on. They are finally done, almost done fabricating. Everything I could do at home is done. So I took everything out there. And it was 26 outside or 25 or something. But then in the barn, it was way colder. I don't know why. I guess just because it's dark. But man, miserable, absolutely miserable trying to get stuff done in, in a space like that. And like, I don't know how you work in your other shop where I know you have heat there, but it's such a big space that surely it doesn't heat up well. Well, I have. we have these two big propane radiant tubes that go down the middle of the shop they're both uh they're about 20 feet long and if you you stand underneath it it, like you become like a piece of bacon but if you take one (laughs) big step left or right then you're in the cold zone so whenever that's on you you kind of just kind of hang in the middle of the shop like Mm. underneath the tubes but i don't know if you guys saw my instagram story yesterday for years and years and years i've been trying to find these big parlor stoves these big stand-up ones and there was a, there's a deli near high. It's called the Yellow Deli. It's a really, really good restaurant. And the people that work there are a real great group of people. And they had, I remember when I first came up here, they had this parlor stove. And I said to Taylor, I was like, that's exactly what I want. I would want one of those for the house or for someplace. And then when I got the shop, I was like, it would be perfect to have one of those in the shop. So I was always looking and they're either too far away or they're too expensive. There's just nothing ever worked out. And then they... These guys aren't very computer savvy. So I got a message from my webmaster, and he says, these guys are looking for you. You, They must know you. They must live near you. And it was the guys that own the restaurant. They're like, hey, uh, we're selling two coal stoves. And they had no idea that I ever even eyeballed that one that they had and that I was always inspired by it. Hmm. Turns out they gave me the one that I liked and another one that they had for a different building. These guys own a bunch of properties. And they said, we never use them anymore. We have more efficient ways of heating now. So I ended up paying them a little bit for them, and, but considerably cheaper than would be if if you got them anywhere else. And uh, they're beautiful, really. And the one I got, I can't remember. Maybe it's called the Red Cross. 
The Red Cross 137. I saw it online for $8,500. Whoa. It's un- and they, these had like, the, the grills were cracked and there was a couple things wrong with them. But I fixed it right away because I was able to just throw them on the welding table and just get them all ticked back up. And they're fine. I mean, I'm not trying to restore them perfectly. I just want them to work. And apparently the one is a very collectible one. There's little chat rooms about it and everything. And these guys don't care. They just wanted it out of their space. But so now I have one I set up right away in the workshop to to burn wood and just and because it's upright, it's about five feet tall. It really radiates really nicely, hmm. and it's not going to heat the whole place. But when you come in from the dead cold and you need to just immediately warm up, if Mike or Rob get there before me and they start the stove, or I'll start it, and you know, it's nice to just kind of keep it going throughout the day. So when you really need to keep your hands warm or warm up, rather. It's nice to go. You walk right up to it now because it's tall. Your whole body. It's, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. And it's pretty. <clears throat> That's one thing I kept saying. Wow, it's so much. And then a lot of people finished my sentence in Instagram yesterday. They're like, and it's really good looking too. I got like five or six people finished my sentence. It was really funny. <laughs> um, so we were talking last week. I was asking you about the uh, drilling the holes in the quarter inch steel and, and that type of stuff. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that right after that, it worked out good for you. Did you do the nut and bolt thing that I showed you? Uh, I did not. The the mm-hmm. On the lathe? Is that what yeah. you're talking about? No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, so uh, you sent me that directly, but I think. Yeah, no, I just, I, I just forwarded it to you. We yeah. were in the so, chat. Anyway, we, um, last week we were talking about that. Then Jimmy sent me a picture of putting a nut into the metal lathe and then like rounding off one end of it so that you could drill a hole drop that end in and it would fit perfectly, which was awesome. Yeah, and, that, and the, the, the main reason is because we were talking about having, making sure the bolt is perpendicular. Yeah. Because like, if you're going to kind of hold it in space, you keep the, the long threaded rod on it so you can kind of gauge that it's at least perpendicular to some extent. Yeah. But by doing that, it, it'll sit right in the hole if you just put a shoulder on the bolt. So what I ended up doing, because I had to do 26 of them or 28 of them or something like that, um, I ended up just... I took a couple of bolts that were sacrificial because they got spatter all over them. But, um, you know, put them in through the nut so that they were sticking out a little bit. I drilled the hole and then set that on the surface so that it went down into the hole. And I kind of wiggled it, like, forward and back a few times and then kind of found a centered area and then left and right and then kind of found a centered so that the threads weren't rubbing against the, you know, the hole side of the hole. And that actually worked for all of them. So I got them in place and then did a tack on each side of the nut. And then I did a few of them at a time. So I was trying to distribute the heat across them. And I would tack four or five, come back, tack them again on the other other sides, and then let them cool and then do like little welds to get them all in place. And it it worked out fine. I uh, never got Good. any threads messed up. And the Good. it definitely did melt the coating like you were talking about. But, you know, a wrench would get that broken off and then you could get the, the bolt pulled out. So I got all those done. But the big thing that was the most helpful from that conversation, honestly, last week was, <clears throat> excuse me, the confidence to use the bridge port to drill the holes. Oh, good. That was, I can't even imagine how long it would have taken me to not use the bridge port. Yeah. It was, you know what, what happens sometimes, and I know for me, and I, and I think I'm speaking for some amateur machinists, is that the bridge port is sitting there and you think to yourself, I shouldn't use it. It's not a drill press. I'm not making it. <laughs> oh, yes, it time. is. <laughs> but, no, but I'm saying you think to yourself, like, yeah. 
Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to go through the pain and effort of setting it up just to drill a hole. It's not what it's for. I mean, it, it's 100% what it's for. I mean, that's what it's primarily for. But we keep thinking, like, we need to use it to cut a slot or to, you know, take a face off or to surface the top of an anvil. To simply use it as a drill press is too insignificant, and it's kind of disrespecting the machine. No. It doesn't care. It has no emotions. And for me, the big thing that made it, you know, more work, well, there were a bunch of things, but one of the big things that made it more worthwhile than using the literal drill press that's across the room is the vice. I mean, the fact that I could take a big two and a half inch square tube, lock it in there, you know, and, and I already had these welded up into like a full T. So we're talking about a, a leg assembly that's like a T that is... Uh, three feet wide, quarter inch steel, and about three feet tall. So this is a heavy chunk of metal, and I could lift it up with all of my effort, put it in the vise, lock the vise, and it's just like hanging out there. It's sticking out into the room, you know? And then you're in the X or the Y axis, so all you got to do is loosen and slide, loosen yeah. and slide if you have a couple. Yeah, it was great. And it, yeah. I mean, and it was, you know, turn it on and you just put your weight on the the quill, <laughs> just like letting it come down as it comes down. So it took time, but it took no effort. And if I had tried to do all that by hand, man, it would have been bad. I had to drill. Uh, you would have broke your hand off. I, I had to drill four holes yesterday by hand because once I got to a point, I realized like, oh, I should have done this before I welded it up, whatever. It wouldn't fit. So I did pilot holes with a small drill bit so that I wouldn't break my hand and then used a stepped bit to open those up. But it yeah, took me, it took me, I don't even know, maybe 20 minutes to do all, all four of those holes. Yeah. And in that amount of time, I could have done twice that many holes on the bridge port. You know, even with like putting the pieces in place and clamping it and yeah. unclamping it, all that stuff. So that was pretty significant in getting that whole project done. And, and then yeah. I found that um, I realized I needed a way to turn the whole thing. I needed to put a pipe on the spindle so that I could manually like, you know, flip the car with the thing. And so I had a two and a half inch schedule 40 steel pipe, pretty significant pipe that I had to drill, um, a seven eighths hole through both sides on, you know, on a curved surface. There's no way that I could have done that. You should mill it. Did you mill it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I dropped the pipe, dropped the pipe in there and I happened to have a cutter that was not great. But it worked. <laughs> it was like one that came in the box, you know, of a bunch of other cutters yeah. that I had. Yeah. Uh, it was probably a little bit bigger than it should have been. So the hole has a little more slop than it needed. But I was able to make that hole. And it was funny because when I was starting the project, when I had been planning this thing for so long, and I started welding the first day, and I did a bunch of welding, and it was like unhappy with how the welds were looking. And I'm like, man, I, I remember thinking to myself, I really, I just don't like this kind of work. Like, I don't, I just really don't like the metalwork stuff as much. And I think it, I think I felt that in the moment because it looked like I had a ton to do and I felt like I was doing a bad job, even though it was going to be strong, it was going to be welded, it was ugly and messy and just, you know, I just had kind of like a ugh, kind of feeling about it. And then you flip past all of the work and you get to the end where I'm realizing that I have this giant tool that is so useful and made the last difficult parts of this thing so much easier. And I'm like, this was really cool. I'm really glad that I did this thing. 
and and, it, and, and you got you, you got outside your comfort zone. Oh yeah, you, you play Big with time. a machine. Now now you'll know when to use it because it's ingrained in that workflow. You'd be like, this is a perfect opportunity to use that giant machine over there that I'm afraid yeah. of. And and this fear factor is gone, and you got some cool visuals for your video. I think so. Uh, actually, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't shoot any of the Bridgeport stuff because <laughs> we were we we're at a point where it was just like this. There's so much. It's not a right, how-to right, right, video, right. you know. Like I'm, right. I'm not teaching somebody how to make a rotisserie. Like you're on your own. I, I don't suggest. Sure, it, I'll tell you a trick. <laughs> Next time you use the Bridgeport, squirt some oil on the cut. It'll smoke and flare up. It'll look really cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> Slow mo of the smoke, oil burning coming out, and then everybody will yell at you and say three in one oil is not cutting oil, and then you'll get some engagement in the comments. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. YouTube tips with Jimmy Duresta. It Sounds like you've yeah. done this before. Yeah. But anyway, it was. Uh, it was just really cool to, in a single project that has taken a significant amount of time, to go from, man, I don't like this, I don't really want to do this, to feeling not good about it, like I did a great job, but good, like enjoying it at the end and feeling like, man, this is this is a pretty significant, definitely the biggest metal thing I've ever made. Mm. Uh, like when you see both ends of this thing together and all the parts and all of the joints and all of the figuring out and... It's definitely one of the bigger things that I've ever built. And I still haven't put it on the car, so I'm not still convinced that it's going to work. But <laughs> as far as like getting it done, it doing what I thought it would do, all of the measurements so far have been within, you know, reasonable. <laughs> They're not perfect, but I think it's going to fit everywhere. And there's enough clearance and everything for the car. And How far away so, are we from seeing uh, the car on there? A couple days. Really? Ooh. Yeah, probably Thursday. I will get out there and actually get exciting. that's exciting get mounted. It's terrifying because I got all <laughs> the pieces out there yesterday, and up until that point, it was just like, well, I don't have to worry about it if it'll actually work for a while. I'm still welding, you know. <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of nuts to weld onto these pieces. I've got, I'm, you know, focusing on the tasks, and then I took everything out to the farm yesterday and got casters on it and rolled it up to the front of the car, and I'm like. Oh boy! Like, there's you, nothing stopping me at this point. Will you except, be able to do like a prices right spin the wheel thing when the when the car is on there? <laughs> that would make for a great TikTok. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, you're like, which side am I going to work on today? And you spin it, and wherever it stops, like, I guess I got to work on the door jam. Always working on this one side because that's how gravity works. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no. Hopefully this week uh, we'll get it actually mounted and you know lifted, which how, is crazy. Go ahead. How does how do you turn the car? Is it like you, is there is there stops like you're putting in a bar to? So to there's on each end that you know both ends of the rotisserie are matching. So on each end there's a plate, a circular plate around the spindle, and it has a bunch of keyholes in it. And then there's a, a okay. bracket on the spindle. And so once you get it turned into place, then you just put a thick bolt. Is it a two person job to do that? Uh, I think it probably would be. I mean, I th- you might be able to get away with one person, but it all depends on how the how the center of gravity yeah. actually works. You won't know whether until it wants you get to it on turn there. away from you. Yeah. yeah. And then in the end of that spindle, on the outside, away from the car, that's where I drilled that big hole. And so that's where a, a pipe, a, like four foot, three, four foot long pipe will go in there. And that's your leverage point to actually turn the whole thing. I see. So, okay. There's one of those on each end so that you can do that from either end or you can have two people working it together. You know, it feels like at the 
current moment that it's going to be really difficult to flip. But that's because right now it is very out of center. The center of gravity is really off because the car is not there to counteract, to counterbalance that. So mm-hmm. I don't, I have no idea. So Bob, when when you're rotating it, I'm picturing like a Nautilus machine that in, in a modern gym where you pull the pin and then you pull up like the knee brace to where you want it and then it pops into the next hole. Do you have a spring-loaded plastic uh, ball that pulls out so you could pull it and... Or do you just stick a, a physical pin in it's it? It's just a just physical pin, yeah. Dangling on a chain. Because the reason I bring that up, uh, I was working on the triple flip table about four years ago, and somebody suggested to me, go to McMaster Car. They sell these pull pins. It might even be what it's called, a hmm. pull pin, spring-loaded pull pin, and they're all sizes, and you weld them right into your project. So you might wear That's right awesome. where you, that pin that would go in, you'd weld it to the first half, the stationary part. You pull it out, you know, if somebody's on the other side. And some of them pull out lock, like on the bottom of, perfect example, if anybody. I know, Dave, I think you have the sliding table for saw stop, mm-hmm. the sliding cross-cut table. Underneath, it's got like a pull pin, but the pull pin twists so it locks open. So you could have it locked open if you're going to run from one side to the other. Crazy. Man, Mr. Also- car is so nuts. McMaster so car nice. is unbelievable. When, like when I discovered that, actually Andrew Alexander said, so he goes, "Yo, get a put, <laughs> get a pull pin from," because I was going to do just like that. I was just going to stick a a loose pin like on a chain that was just hanging there. Yeah, flip it, stick that chain in, and the pull pin just give it that finished quality. That was like, whoa, this seems like, wow, did you get that made in a factory? <laughs> do you have a factory? How did people, you make that? People will know that mine is not made in a factory. <laughs> I, I, I had this, <laughs> but it's just that one little piece that gives it that polish. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I had this this tool idea that I'm not going to talk about yet until I know that it works. But I'm uh, I've been prototyping some pieces on the CNC, and I was like, oh man, I I, got, I need a bunch of little little pins. I'm like I I'll just get a steel rod and cut off all these little pieces, but that's going to suck. I'm like, well maybe maybe McMaster Car has them, and then of course McMaster Car has you can get little pins any size diameter, any size length. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I also need magnets, but I need them at a certain diameter and a certain thickness. And, of <laughs> course, the they, have all, they have all the magnets you would ever want. And so I put all these things into my cart, and I'm just, like, I'm just clicking on different categories just, just to see because I, they have so many things that I don't even know exist. It's just such a great yeah. website to just thumb through. And then you, like, before you hit – Order, it shows up at your door. It's crazy. I don't even know how <laughs> their, to do that. Their checkout system is bonkers. There is no, so there good. is no like, are you sure you want to place this order? Which shipping method do you want? Which address do you want? Nope. When you hit checkout, it's end of order. Like you can't. <laughs> it's so good. And you're always logged in. So you never have to re-log back in. There's even, the thing that you're talking about, Jimmy, there's even one here that's a twist to lock one. And it's weldable and it's spring-loaded. Yep. So it's like a T handle. You pull it back and twist it, and it stays out. That's right. That's kind of oh, what I was describing. That's like, <laughs> oh it's man, exactly that's so cool. <laughs> oh good. I'm glad you, you discovered. What is it called? Uh, it's called a twist to lock T handle weld mount retractable spring plunger. I see it. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the episode title. <laughs> Well, you know what? That oh, that so brings great. me. We didn't really have a specific specific topic, but that reminds me of something that we could kind of talk about for a minute. Sure. 
in the way that that type of device, Bob, when you put that on there, people are going to instantly think you manufacture, you you bought this manufactured, even though they might not look closely at your welds, but you're self-conscious about that, I know. So, but when people see that T-handle, they're going to be like, did you buy this from Harbor Freight? Where did you get this? Hmm. It's those little tiny finishing touches, like choosing the right hinge or choosing the right piece of hardware. For instance, when I make my books, like I'm showing you one of my handmade books, this isn't even a good example because mine's all beat up, but the headband at the top of the book that goes at the top of the, the stack of paper, that little headband, people see that and they go, you have a machine that like sews this up? No, you buy it, you scissor out one inch and you glue it in place. So there's these little finishing touches that will make your project seem ooh la la. Somebody else has already figured out the hard part. All you got to do is just add these parts. Exactly. So these little tiny bits and pieces. Bob, one day when you get a little bit better at the lathe, you could make your own pull pin locking, Mm -hmm. T-handle, twisty, mecky, doodad, (laughs) weldable, whatever the name you say. And I can come up with a better name for it than that, but yes. Yeah. But like, what are some... What are some of the finishing touches that will really put the uh, icing or the cherry on your project? Yeah. I mean, it's like what we were talking about last week where I have run into the the impulse to avoid something because I had to buy, you know, because I wasn't starting from scratch. And this is a really good example of something. If I were to start from scratch to try to make my own twist-to-lock T-handle weld-mount retractable spring plunger... It would take me as long to do that as the rest of the entire thing yeah. because I've never done it before. Right. And so, right. like, and that's not reasonable. Nobody would think, like, oh, I can't believe you didn't make your own twist to lock T handle weld mount retractable spring plunger. I mean, somebody <laughs> might do that in the comments, but no, but when yeah. you look at the girth of a project and you see the overarching amount of work, you go, all right, there I could buy that part. Yeah. There I could yeah. buy that part. There, that's the perfect for a Bruce O'Hinge. There's the type of thing for such and such. Yeah. But then you could focus it in, like, when I did my bandsaw restoration with Eric from Hansel Rescue, we did a, we did the knobs. It was just a couple of quick edits. But then three years later, during this past summer, I made a whole video about just making the knobs for a different machine. So two 10-minute video, one, one is zeroed into just one tiny aspect of the other 15, 20-minute video. Yeah. So there's lots of details to these things. You could extrapolate or or make them as quick and as easy as possible. Yeah. Hmm. Man, this is really cool to see. Thank you for turning me on to oh, that. Because that good, good, good. another option for people out there, because sometimes the McMaster car shipping can be quite a bit. Like you just you don't have a choice when it comes to shipping. It's next day. So it's always at least twenty bucks. Is uh we have a Granger here in town. And so I can order something from them and just have it shipped to the store and avoid that that twenty thirty dollars mm. shipping fee. It, the website is not as cool as McMaster Car, and yeah, but a lot of the same things. Yeah, I had I ordered tires from Walmart a couple of weeks ago, and I just had them shipped to the store just to say you know because I'm always over in the area. I just went there and picked them up, but. Um, Bob, another thing you could do to make your project is—is is there are there T handles? Is there like a T handle to push and pull on this device, like, like it would be, uh, you know, on its wheels and you pull and push? Those, if there's a steel handle that you're using, you could probably get 
rubber sleeves to go over them, kind of like bicycle grip oh, handles. right. They're probably on the McMaster spot too. Yeah, I'm sure they are. So, no, so this, that would be like a nice little finished insert of like, you could even add a sound effect of like, <laughs> like pushing it in the air escaping. Yeah. No, it is not, uh, it doesn't have polish to it. Like I, I bought a bunch of primer thinking now that it's done, I'm just going to like, you know, do some rust converter primer to cover the whole thing and get it uniform color and everything. And then I got it out there and I'm like, you know what? No, <laughs> it's just a giant piece of metal. It, it's well, it's going to be blasted with all sorts of chemicals and it's going to be literally blasted with a sandblaster as they're blasting yeah. the car. And like, I'm, no, it's just done and it's going to do its thing. Yeah. And then, you know, when I'm done with it with this car, if I need to clean it up, I could always prime it at that point just to, like, put it in storage or something. But I I had the same thought with my anvil base. I made this mobile anvil vase for the 600-pound anvil I got, and I was all prepped to paint it. I was going to paint it red. I usually do these projects red in honor of Lincoln. And uh, it was covered with grease and oil. I was just like, forget it. Yeah. It's fine. Just leave it steel. (laughs) It'll patina. I mean, it'll look good, you know. It's not like a showpiece or anything. Cool. Well, uh, we have burned almost an hour pretty easily. No we don't, need, we oh, don't wow. need topics. <laughs> That's right. I mean, anything else you guys want to go through today and, and talk about? I mean, we didn't really have a... No? Okay, cool. Know. All right. No. <laughs> this is like the beginning of the show. This is like when we first show up, we're like... <sighs> Anybody have any ideas? Anybody check Twitter? I don't know. Let's just start. Cool. Well, um... Yeah, I'm excited to have this thing wrapped up. I will say that the rotisserie has been a a thing that's been it's been an idea for a very long time. And then it's been a process, you know, I'm just going to do a little bit here, there in the background and kind of and now it's coming up on we have a video that has to be done. It's ready to mount to the car. Like I can't put it off. It's not a future thing anymore. It's a this week has to happen work or not. It's got to be attempted. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I was thinking about this yesterday. As soon as I get the thing mounted and lifted off of the chassis, it's ready for sandblasting, which means all of the bodywork, all of the paint, all of the primer, all of the everything that has been waiting on the thing to be accessible is now ready to be done, you know, ready to start. I mean, it's going to take a long time, but it's just interesting how, you know, when when you have a big long-term project like that, there's these little little unlocks along the way. You know, the first one was, I'm going to get a gas tank in it so I can drive it around the neighborhood. I unlocked something, and then it's a car that can oh, actually, yeah. it's not a hunk that looks like a car. It's a car. And then it was like, now I'm going to get it to the farm so I can start taking it apart. And then it unlocked, I can take off a thousand rusty bolts and figure out what to do with them. You know, I unlocked that thing. And this is the unlock of mm. restoration, I think. This is the beginning of turning it from one pile to another pile. and Are you using video game stages as a metaphor for your life? I wasn't trying to, but no. I guess I kind of was. <laughs> it sounds like what it is. Like I'm getting to the next level. You've yeah. made it to the next level. Yeah. You didn't fail. The princess is in another castle, seen, though. Yeah. Well, have you ever, I know Jimmy's never seen it. Have you ever seen uh, Scott Pilgrim? Yes. The movie yeah. Scott Pilgrim? Where he like pulls out a sword out of his chest and he's like, Scott has earned the power of self-respect. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Anyway, big thanks to Patreon supporters for sponsoring this show. Um, Thank you. I went back through the list to make sure that I had everybody current and 
we've because we've had a few new patrons this week, so big thanks to uh, one of the new ones, some of the new ones. I updated the list in the po- in the the post, so you can see it. And I know that the feed is still jacked. I promise, I am doing everything I can to get it working. The company has been uh, back and forth with me. It's their software developers are just having some issue that they can't figure out with our podcast. We're working on it, and it is very close, I think, to being solved. But if stuff is still acting weird, that's why the goal is to have all of the back catalog available all the time in the, in a single place. So that's still what we're working towards. But big thanks to the Patreon supporters for sticking with us, especially our top supporters. Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, and Full Steam Designs. Uh, but also, people like... like Chris Patties. I don't think I've said Chris's name before. There's a few on here that I've never said that I'm going to have to get to. But yeah, uh, lots of people over there help us out, and we are grateful. And they all get the after show, which... We're going to do after this. That's why we call it the after show. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure we'll have something. And there's usually secrets. I have a question for you If you want that, go to patreon.com slash making making it. What would you say? I'll have a question for you guys for the after show. Ooh. I got this crazy package around Christmas time from this company that I've never had contact before. And I just wanted to see if, if they sent you guys the same package. Oh. Okay. I'll tell you about an interesting package we got one time. Does it involve hot chocolate? It does not. Nothing edible. Oh, I got that one. No, the, yeah. I got that. <laughs> you guys got yeah, the hot and chocolate. coffee? <laughs> I got two of them. Oh. Oh. I got two. I think it's just because my name was accidentally listed <laughs> twice. So the funniest thing, Taylor was wearing the shirt that came in the package, and it was all covered with plaster dust and paint. I was like, thanks. I didn't even get a chance to wear it to like dinner or anything. She's like, oh, it'll wash out. And then the next day, there was a whole other package on the porch. <laughs> oh. She's like, there, you got your new shirt. I won't I won't touch that one. You can keep this one. <laughs> anyway, so big thanks to the Patreon supporters. Um, you guys got anything to recommend? Have you guys seen this? His name is Sam Zeloff, maybe? But he makes homemade silicon chips? No. no. Somebody on Twitter sent me this channel, and he claims to be the first one to make homemade silicon chips and in his latest video he upgraded i had no idea what went goes into it and it takes all these crazy machines and and testing devices or whatever um but there is some uh you there's some like photo photography elements involved because you're exposing things and then you're developing things and uh it's it's way beyond what i can explain because I don't understand what he's doing, but it's f- fascinating. I just absolutely love it. Huh. Interesting. The link is in the chat. Cool. Jimmy, what you got? Uh, I was going to say I have a new video on Rockler. So go support Rockler and check out the new video. It's me making a little kitchen island kind of in a farmhouse style. That's a fun video. I made that in November, and they finally posted it. So. Check that out. And then uh, go check out Chris Zepp's new video because Chris bought, it's like two miles from my house. Chris bought a six acre plot two years ago, two and a half years ago. And it had a house on it that was abandoned during construction. And it was this beautifully designed house. I really thought it was a nice layout, but 
they did such a poor job at construction that even though the house was abandoned, it didn't didn't stay standing. Weather is, you know, the way Chris puts it, the earth started taking it back and the foundation had collapsed and folded in on itself in a few spots and the interior floors were caved in. And But the house was all brand new. Nobody had ever lived in it. And they just did a really bad job in designing and building, you know, the, the construction techniques. So Chris had it taken down last week and I was over there watching my friend Kurt and his son Hunter. They tore the house down with a big excavator. I mean, it's, it's kind of anticlimactic because the house gets run down. But the interesting thing about no, the series that Chris is going to do is that it's got so much potential and his excitement and his, his infectious, how excited he is that this now he has this empty plot of land. You know, it costs a sizable amount of money to get the house removed properly. And he did. He, he bit the bullet. He spent the money, got rid of the house. And now he has a blank canvas. And it's going to be very exciting to see what he does there in the next several years. And it's just really cool. And it's a great spot up on a hill. It has like two, three stages. It kind of goes up a hill, but whoever did the, the land management made a one big flat spot and then it goes up to another huge flat spot, maybe even a third flat spot. So he could have like three buildings that look over each one's shoulder. It's pretty cool. So it's really nice. This is, like I said, the potential of where he's going to go with it. It's just, it's, it's great fodder for his creativity and obviously great fodder for you too. Yeah. I remember talking to him about that uh, at WorkbenchCon like two years ago. I was talking about building an A-frame and he was talking about buying land or maybe it was Maker Central. I don't know. I remember we were talking about it before it was a thing and then uh, he was so excited about it then. It's funny how long things like that take to, you know, to actually get rolling and stuff. But um, So mine is a commercial and the only place I've been able to find it is on Twitter. But it's a video, uh, and I can't even remember who posted it. There was an ad for BBC Sports for winter sports. And this video is the making of the ad. And so the ad is this animation of like a cube on a table. And inside the cube, there's different like luge and skiers and different snow sports happening inside this white cube and it looks like it's made out of snow and it's a it's a cool commercial but then they show the making of it and it was all made with stop motion 3d printed props so they animated the whole thing in 3d and then printed out every frame as a 3d object and then put it on a table and took photos of it and did stop motion with the thing and it's bananas like it's it's crazy, <laughs> and it's just interesting to see how how much effort on the digital and the physical side goes into or could go into making a commercial like that. When honestly, it probably could all all been done on the computer. You know, it had a different effect and would have had a different look and stuff. But they they took it to a whole different degree, and so it's pretty fascinating just to see how somebody goes about that. I know in um, companies like Leica that do. Uh, stop motion movies they use a lot of 3d printing to you know they'll model uh, the face of a character and all its different expressions and then they can print out individual heads for every stage of every expression so that when they're animating they know that you know this row of heads are all a smile and so then they can animate by swapping out those heads and get the thing rather than having to sculpt along the way and stuff so i, I know it's a known technique but it's still just kind of crazy to watch so that's what I get. 
over the over Christmas, I we bought uh, maybe it was around Halloween, but we bought Nightmare Before Christmas uh, digitally, mm-hmm. and then there's a making of that that came with that, and it's it's just phenomenal, and it's exactly what you're talking about—the heads with all the different emotions and placing them in there. Just I, I'm exhausted. I get exhausted just watching videos like that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, I can't remember who it was now, somebody several years ago reached out and they worked at Leica, which is a studio, animation studio that I, I, they're amazing. And they reached out and said, we have a bunch of heads from this movie that we're getting rid of and wanted to see if you wanted any of these heads, these props from the movie. And I can't remember which movie it was and I can't remember, it was a long time ago. But at the time I was like, I do, but I don't know what I would do with them. And I would just have like a little head that I would want to be careful with and not destroy. And and so I told them that I I thought they should stick together and I, I didn't take one. And I've always kind of regretted uh, that because it was like a piece of, little piece of movie, you know, yeah. stuff that I probably should have just figured out what to do with. But anyway. Um, well, all right. You guys have got anything else this week? Mm. I'm good. I'm good. Just sorry, my brother was talking to me about something. Jimmy's on the phone. You're like, oh, sorry, somewhere else. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, see you next time. Later. That's it. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so quiet. <laughs>